Hello, I'm Matthew. And I'm Shannon. And this is Shabbat Date. Well, we are here at Sukkot. We seem to do this quite often. Yes. Where we make podcasts, like, right in Sukkot. <laughs> it is, but this Except is... Uh, we're not in a tent right now. We're not in a tent. We're in a museum, and this is pretty cool. But we have met two very unique people, Rodney and Stephanie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's Thank nice you. to be here. It's nice to meet you and hear your story. I think we're we're here where we met you, like because yeah. we're visiting the museum as right. part of Sukkot. I should probably clarify that. Yes, you know, we are in a, a sukkah. Yeah. You know, we're tenting, and but uh, you end up meeting Matthew yesterday. Right. Yeah, we were standing near the one of the cases mm-hmm. by, down by the shelves and started talking. Yeah, you were yeah. putting a little light exhibit for the dark and yeah. bring out phosphorescence within fossils. Yeah, I, I built, pretty, I built a system so that they could light it with different uh, colors of ultraviolet light and see the, the colors. It's beautiful. So what's it your is. background that brought you to helping here? I worked at Argonne National Laboratory. It's a government research facility for 34 years. This is just outside of Chicago area, uh, about 20, 20, 30 miles outside of Chicago. At this point, I'm retired, and and so we've moved we've moved back down to be close to my mom. Um, we wanted to be with her while she still has good health, and you know she's she's getting up in years, so uh, we wanted to be down here. She's broken her arm since we've been here, so it was nice that we were here. And we were able to take care of her, and she's she's mended quite well at this point. For our listeners, here is in Oklahoma. We yes, in we're Oklahoma in Oklahoma right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, I, you know, I think when Matthew came back, he said, well, we have a fantastic couple that has a fantastic testimony about their walk and their way. and Sabbath and, uh, and Torah and feasts. And they've, they've said they would be willing to share this storyline, so we're anxious to hear it. We'll turn the floor to you, so maybe give us a little background and how you got started. I've been keeping Sabbath all my life. I'm fourth fourth generation Adventist. Wow. So I'm I mean four four generations of vegetarians, four ge- generations of keeping the Sabbath. Um and so I don't know that I've no, known any, anything but worshiping God on the seventh day of the week all my life. Uh Stephanie on the other hand, she she grew up in a family where that wasn't the case. Yeah, I grew up in a family that had no religious, spiritual interest. And yet, um, I did. From the time I was very small, I knew God. I knew he existed. I knew he was love. I knew he was kindness. But that wasn't something that was really instilled um, from my parents. Although my mother... I remember when I was quite young, my mother praying with us before we went to bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I awake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That was my religious instruction. And yet my parents allowed us um, religious freedom. And so from a young age, because I was spiritual, we had friends, neighbors, family members that went to church. And so they took me to church, my brother and sister and I. And as we got older, my brother and sister pretty much said, yeah, not for me. And yet I was just so hungry, wanted to know. And so... um. 
I was taken for a number of years to a Pentecostal church. And as I got older, 13, 14, I began to realize that some of their teachings did not mesh with the God I knew. Well, explain that, like, you know, not having a whole lot of I, background. Well, I guess some of the things um, the Pentecostal church taught the burning in hell forever just didn't mesh with the God of love for me. And there were a few other things that um, I'm an emotional person, but at the same time, I, I think I'm pretty logical. And so there were things that would happen. For example, this was the, I guess the straw that broke the camel's back for me. The preacher was preaching and Pentecostals are quite excited. Um, and so at one point he was so excited in his preaching that his, his hands were flailing. He knocked his glasses off of his face and they fell over off the, off the podium. Um, there was a short little wall. It fell over the wall onto the floor. And then shortly after that, he jumped over that short wall, um, but he didn't land on his glasses. Okay. So after the service, people are like, oh, it must have been the Holy Spirit because he didn't land on the glasses. And I'm like 14, 13. I'm going, he didn't land on his glasses because that's not where he jumped. And so there were just things that just didn't make sense to me. So then at that point, I stopped going to church because that was the only church I knew. I had been baptized in that church had given my life to Jesus in that church, but they couldn't answer my questions. They couldn't make sense of what I was seeing. And yet at the same time, I prayed and I prayed. It's like, God, don't give up on me. Just show me where I'm supposed to be. I know this is not it. This is not who you are. You are a God of order. I, this is not making sense to me. Well, between the time I was about 14 and 15, for little under a year, I explored the world. I didn't find him there. And then when I was about 15, I met a young man. We were the same age, and he was on a life mission to evangelize the world. He invited me to his church. Okay, I'll go. I went. It was a Seventh-day Adventist church. Uh, the meeting was the... Sabbath. It was on the seventh day Sabbath. I walked into this church and it felt like God hugged me. He said, this is where you need to be right now. And so that was a stepping stone. Eventually, I grew up from 16, went to um, a Seventh-day Adventist high school my senior year, went to a Seventh-day Adventist college where Rodney and I met at the observatory. That was my introduction to Shabbat. I continued walking that way. But we, we were talking about, about how people can be connections. And sometimes those connections are way out of the ordinary. She glossed over a lot of the story there, probably to make th this more compact for you. But the reason this guy invited her was because one of her friends convinced her to uh, enter the Miss Waterford beauty pageant. 
and it happened to be an Adventist lady was in charge of the beauty pageant. That's not something I've ever seen any Adventist do, but she was relatively new. And so because she was relatively new Adventist, it's like, and she had a heart for children. Her son had been killed by by uh, somebody, uh, his friend, who, who was high, and he was killed because he picked up his friend's coat and put it on. You know, and his friend got mad and killed him. And so she made it her life mission to reach out to, to all the kids she could. And so so Stephanie joined the contest. Let me tell the rest of the story because I, I think it, it needs to be said. <laughs> well, my best friend was very beautiful. I was not. And she convinced me to join this pageant because it would be a good experience. They took us places, taught us things, how to walk, how to dress, all these things that, you know, 15-year-olds need to know how to do. And at the last minute, she decided she wasn't going to join. And I was so angry that I decided to do it anyway. Part of the pageant was that the girls now were 15 Okay, 14, 15 years old. We, and this was 70s. I was born in 1960, so this was about 1975. And we are wearing long dresses, and part of the pageant was we are supposed to serenade in our long dresses around this young man who was the son of the woman um running the pageant this almost sounds like the book of esther or something i yes. don't know <laughs> and well yes this young man bobby was um quite good looking and all of the girls immediately fall in love with him but he is on an evangelistic mission that is his focus so he invites all the girls to church. Well, they all think oh, wow. that it is, you know, because he likes them. I had no illusions. I was not pretty. I, I was a little overweight. I had an image issue. I never thought he was interested in me. Um, but he and I became best friends. And then, so by the time it was my turn to get asked to go to church, I, I had no illusions. I knew it was a spiritual thing. And so when I walked into the church, um, I knew that God was there. And that's where I belonged. And so, yes, as um, the connections can sometimes be beyond our imagination mm -hmm. how we how we perceive a prayer to be answered is rarely the way god answers our prayers yeah uh, yeah he is they don't call him the creator for nothing <laughs> he creates environments and situations that as we look back over our past we're astounded by mm -hmm. i never had any idea that joining this pageant would have led to my understanding Sabbath, my understanding what it means to eat appropriately, 
my understanding of today, understanding the feasts. I didn't, Seventh-day Adventists do not um, take, they stop reading Leviticus 23 after the Sabbath, and they don't read the rest of the, the chapter. Um, but that was the stepping stone. That is what led me to an understanding that God's laws are important and that he's serious. And the Torah says, the, the writings of Moses say that keeping the commandments are for our own good. Exactly. Exactly. And so I began to understand what that meant. Yeah, that he's a good father. Good. He's a good father. He wants to do good things for us. He's not the mean God that's going to whip us every time we take the wrong turn. What a story. We all have stepping stones. The stepping stones uh, connected you with Rodney, and, and so you have a journey together now with mm-hmm. a common core of faith. Right. I think what I love hearing about that is there's beauty inside all of us, and he'll bring it out, Thanks, and he'll honor it. Yeah. After college, um, I got a job at Argonne National Laboratory where I worked for, for 34 years. And during that time we were in, in Illinois, uh, where Argonne is, we went to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and, and we went to a number of them. But I worked with uh, Pathfinders. It's a, it's a youth group within, within the Adventist organization. And so I, I was working with the kids all the time, and, and so we were always doing camping trips. We ran a program for... 15 years called Wilderness Adventure, where we would take kids into uh, to Colorado, to Wyoming, to Black Hills, to Michigan. Mm-hmm. We went on, we went to a number of different places, canoeing, backpacking, rock climbing, 13 to 18. That top limit was kind of foggy, but it was a, it was an amazing, you know, a, a program that we ran uh, for all that time. And so I was working with kids. At some point along the way, my dad gave me a book. We had first uh, moved uh, to Illinois. We'd gone to a church where they had a program, Jews for Jesus. This lady came to our church all the time, and and she said, they have a program about Passover that I think you might be interested in, and it would be interesting to let people understand, you know, what Passover is about. And so we went through and did a traditional Jewish Seder, I, having the computer experience, basically typed up all the slides, what the what words were going to be, and this is before PowerPoint, so they, they were all printed out on, I think, overheads that somebody could put on a, a overhead projector while we're doing it, so we, we know what the prayer was, and we know what, you know, what was being said. A few years later, we were, were sitting talking, and it's like, that Passover that we did was so much fun, I'd like to do that again. So I went and looked up what I had and, and kind of made, we, we made our own Seder Haggadah, uh, the script that you follow at a Seder. You know, every year we'd be, we'd be doing it. And it's like, well, it says we're supposed to have four cups of wine and we only have three. What am I missing? And so I'd, I'd go do some more research and figure it out. And every year it would get a little bit more complete. Well, at some point we were doing it every year and we started inviting the church we were attending at that point to join us. And they said, oh, that's great. That's cool. You can do that. Well, we did for, I don't know, three years, four years. And each year there would be a bigger turnout. Uh, This was an Adventist church, but 
we we had I think the last one we did was seventy people t- turned up to 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 the wow. seder. That's a big turnout. One of one of the women who was there was Jewish, and she said, "I have celebrated Passover in Israel, and this is the best Passover seder I have ever been to." Wow, wow. that's impressive. <laughs> nice. You did it right. <laughs> well, I think over the years we figured it out. Let's put it that way. And so at that point we'd been keeping the the, the Passover for probably 15 years. I think you were teaching at Hinsdale at the time. It's an Adventist elementary to second year of high school, I think. Um, But she was seventh grade teacher there. You were reading in the Bible with your class, I believe. Every day we would read the Bible. I was reading how it said that you are supposed to keep these feasts forever. Yes. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. In the classroom. In the classroom, right. It's a it's a Christian school, mm-hmm. and this is what we're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be studying the Bible, and so we're actually, you know, we're reading it. This was not unusual. This is what we did in this school. But here I am with my seventh grade students. I'm reading, and it just hits me. And I stop, and, you know, seventh graders, they're following along-ish. Right. <laughs> and I said, did you guys hear that? And they're like, what, what? And I said, it says we are supposed to do these festivals forever. And they're like, what? (laughs) I went like, yeah, read that. And so they all read it. And it's like, wow, that's really interesting. That's a true teaching moment. That is. It was a true teaching moment. You're turning everybody's head upside down now because it's not what well, hers too. yeah yeah you're opening too. the door to a yeah. lot of stuff there yep I, I had mentioned earlier that my dad had given me this book and i'd kind of give a detour there uh, my dad had given me this book because we'd been keeping passover for all these years and and it was about the feast days it was a book by a, a retired adventist pastor his name is john vandenberg it sat on my shelf for years and, and it was about the feast days and and it's like i knew it was there you know i'd kind of thumbed through it it looked interesting Sometime after this happened, we're sitting at the house and on a, a Friday night and saying, wanting something that we can do that's not too taxing on our brains. And it's like, well, let's, let's, let's read this. And so I pull it out and we started reading and it's like, that's too much. And so I said, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe he has a web page, you know, maybe he has some kind of web resource. And so I found his web page. Um, and I just looked it up. It's BibleExplorations.com, I believe. We'll make it a link on your uh, podcast. Okay. So people can click it if they um, choose to. I think it's a good resource for Adventists because Adventists believe that Ellen White is a prophet, one of the original founders of the church. He uses her testimony to support keeping the feast days. Wow. Wow. Which is very interesting. And so we, we were sitting there watching this, and he's going just to the Bible and One of the things that people may not know about Seventh-day Adventists is that Seventh-day Adventists, we're reading the Bible in our schools, but we are by, the Seventh-day Adventists are people of the book. They know their Bible. Right. We had gone to Seventh-day Adventist colleges. We'd taken religion courses. If you go to a Seventh-day Adventist church, every person will be sitting there with their Bible. And if the pastor says a verse, they will turn to that verse. They will read it. They will make sure that what he's saying is true. I'm going to put this in air quotes. We knew our Bible. Mm -hmm. 
we are sitting here listening to him teach about feast days. It's a Friday night. We've had a hard week. We are not sitting there with our Bibles because we, air quotes again, we know our Bibles. He quotes scripture. We hit pause, looked at each other and said, does the Bible really say that? (laughs) Immediately we get up and go get our Bibles. And from that moment on is watching his videos. We are pausing, turning to every scripture. And it was amazing that the scripture said things we had read a million times and never saw. Scales had been falling That's right. Eyes open. Eyes were open. Absolutely. And and so at, at that point, we started looking around for people who were keeping the feast days and believed that Jesus was a Messiah. That was, yeah, that, exactly. that, that was yep. kind of key for our thinking. It's like, okay, Jesus kept the feast days. He went to Sukkot. He, you know, he even he did, did Hanukkah. Uh, so, I mean, we're looking at this and going, these feasts, even Hanukkah, which is not one of the ones that's in the book of, books of Moses. Second Sukkot. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're looking at this and saying, we need to do this. And so we started looking for people who were doing it. We got in touch with a family. The Freelands lived in our area. And they had a meeting in their house. And they, they had three other families, four other families that met with them er- every Sabbath. And so we started meeting with them. We'd go to, we'd go to church in the morning at the Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh Adventist Church. And then we'd go over to their house in the afternoon and meet with them um, and spend the rest of the Sabbath with them. And they were going through the, the Torah readings according to the, the, okay. the, the, the year. The mm-hmm. year the, the, yeah, the, the Parshas. The and so they were reading the Parshas every, every Sabbath. And, and, and so we'd go over there and, and we'd do that with them. And we, we met with them with, I don't know, three or four years. At that point, they moved away. They moved to, to uh, Ohio. That group wasn't still quite as active as they had been. And we were looking, you know, we were wanting somebody we could meet with. And so we started looking around. Uh, with that group, we'd gone to a, a program that was there. Um, it was uh, from Deborah Brandt's ministry in the Chicago area. She had put together something called Restoration. So I had the word Torah in the middle of there. You could put that one out there, too. Yeah. People can click. And so we'd gone, we'd gone to that with this group. There was maybe 150, 200 people at the Restoration from the Chicagoland, kind of like here at Sukkot, where you have people coming in from all over. These people were all searching for people who are keeping the feast and doing these things. And they were bringing in a number of the speakers that were popular in that time period. Brad Scott was uh, still alive back then, so he was one of our favorites. Bill Cloud, and I don't remember who all, but we had gone to this, and and um, Stephanie had met a man there that was a Levite. He was not. He was he was Jewish. He did not believe that Yeshua was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Messiah, but he was there. He gave he gave a couple talks. And so she started emailing with him questions that she had. I'm sorry, was he from the Chicago area or was he? No, he was actually from Israel. Okay. Um, and he travels to the, well, he did. He has since passed. So um, Reuben is 
He died just a few months ago. Yeah. What was his name? Reuven Reuven Prager. Hmm? And he had, he was a Levite and he had restored the holy half shekel in Israel. Um, He researched the garments of the second temple period and was restoring those. And so all of this was in relationship and in um, preparation for the next temple to be built. So he was brought in and he talked about the um, the incense and how it was made. And he had the oils that if you, um, he had them in individual bottles because you're not supposed to mix them. Um, and if you did mix them, there was an additive that you couldn't break the commandment. But you could open all the bottles, and if you opened all the bottles, the smell would permeate the room, and you could get a sense of that smell of what the temple smelled like. So he would do talks on this, and um, so after he had a um, a booth kind of like the marketplace here at Sukkot where you could purchase those oils, and they were in this nice little um, menorah-looking wooden um, container, which we did purchase and cherish. But I started talking with him because if he's a Levite, he knows answers. Oh, you bet he does. It's because they're still being held. I mean, this is yes. this is the joining of how much still is being left with Israel and the Jews and Judah and the Levites and how much is being left with others. Right. And we're to help each other. We are. We definitely are. And so we made this connection and then after the seminar he and I continued to email back and forth because I just had I was full of questions and so I would shoot him a question and he would shoot me back an answer but at the end of each one of his emails he would say when you are in Jerusalem you would learn this or you would see this or whatever and it was over and over well at that point my heart had not been moved that I need to go to Israel and we didn't have that kind of money and you know it was just not on my radar let me back up just a little bit when we were meeting with the Freelands they had gone to Israel and they had met a messianic minister she was in Israel and so the word of Messiah and Torah was going out from Israel she put out to all of her contacts that they were looking for a video editor. Well, I have a background in video editing. They contacted me and said, hey, I don't know if you'd be interested, but they're looking. At that point, I sent my application. Didn't hear anything, and this was months before I was emailing with Reuben. He kept saying, when you go, when you go, when you go, and I had completely you know, they've, I'm sure that, that this ministry's hired someone else. It's not, you know, even something that I was thinking about. So at some point, I got very frustrated with him saying this because I knew I wasn't going to Israel. So I sent him back an email that says, if Hashem, God, wants me to go to Israel, he will provide a way. And he emailed me back and he said, all you have to do is say, I'm going to Israel. I was just at that point, just, all right, I am so done with this. You had it. (laughs) And so I typed back, 
and as I'm typing, I'm saying it in sheer frustration. I am going to Israel. Hopefully, he will just leave it alone. So I sent it. Three days later, I found it really interesting. It was three days later. Mm-hmm. Um, but three days later, I get an email from this ministry saying, we've chosen you to be our video editor and we would like to, at the time it was Skype. So we would like to Skype with you um, because we believe you're the one who's going to come to Israel and do our video editing. Wow. And And these are two disconnected events, right? They don't know each other. They don't know each other. Okay. No, we Skyped. They invited me to come over, began to realize how important all the feast days were and have been following them ever since. Your journey is very fascinating and very unique because your foundation started with Sabbath. It wasn't like you had to groan through that to go from Sunday to Saturday. Your journey was to understand the feasts. Absolutely. And your journey is comparative to most, meaning you started with the feast, but most start with the Sabbath. They'd already had the Sabbath. That's the well, I mean, yeah. what I'm saying is yeah. other people coming into all of this, they have to start with Sabbath first. But it's almost an inevitable that when starting with the Sabbath, the next yes. t- segment yeah. is the feast. It's a stepping it stone. which just almost is... kind of moves that direction in almost every story. That's well, exactly what's Well, when, when, you, when you look historically at the history of, of what happened to, to Sabbath and how Sabbath was basically the Catholic Church changed, we're going to worship on Sunday from now on. Mm-hmm. When you look at the sequence of that took place, Sabbath wasn't the first thing to go. Passover was the first thing to go. That's right. Yes. Passover went, and I, and I kind of look at Passover as as if it was a, a guard. You know, the fact that I think my Sabbath is experience is better now because of Passover, mm-hmm. and I think it acts as a guard because we only do that once a year. Sabbath you do every, every week. Okay. So it was easy to change, number one. You know, it's like, well, well, we'll just, we'll get rid of Passover and we'll do this Easter thing. You're not meeting on Passover day, you're meeting on Sunday right. uh, after right. Passover. Right. Uh, it was an easy, easy thing for him to change, but 40 years later, the Sabbath was done away with. Mm. So, I mean, it's kind of a slippery slope historically, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, as God is restoring the Sabbath, I think by having those feast days, they act as guard days. You know, by having that time, it's almost like a, a guardian of the Sabbath. That's for, right. For me. When you hit on doing the seders, we've done seders as well. We've put them in, you know, not only in our home, invited people. But um, recently, uh, what, a couple of years ago, we had a pretty sizable about a crowd of about 100 for a homeschooling event that brought out the teens to serve and this kind of thing to learn about culture. And each time, it is truly inevitable that there it it hits it strikes the chord in a totally different way with people passover in particular mm-hmm. um like a harp you know when you when you hit that certain chord in, in a harp it just that vibration just all of a sudden softens resonates you resonates it might not as well with the sabbath but with the passover events i have seen that resonation mm-hmm. in a way that i've not seen in any other event Mm-hmm. Whether even when we've done, you know, let's just get extreme, even with some from our Jewish friends, some Hanukkah events or whatever, nothing resonates like Passover. Mm-hmm. And doing it right with the Seder, you know, really experiencing that out. Mm-hmm. And what I, as I was listening to your story, I, 
I'm kind of tying in that it's uh, beauty pageants and biblical Passover. I can almost <laughs> see the title coming together already. That <laughs> we have the the beauty and and the pageantry of just walking through. Uh, your breadcrumbs were there all along. Mm-hmm. It's just your breadcrumbs were were out in more um, what seemed to be these time frames. And I would challenge you to go back and actually record or write down where your breadcrumbs are all at and the distances between those breadcrumbs, I'm almost thinking they're between seven and three years each time. Mm. But it'd be interesting to kind of seven, three, or ten, something mm. in those, you know, wonderful number ranges. But as I was listening, that's one thing that I was coming to mind is just it how your def- breadcrumbs. Well, it was definitely in stages. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it felt like it was distinct periods that you know, we're here for this time to learn this. And now it's time to move on to something else. Let's just tell Father works. He's gentle with us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give you a stack of books and go, well, tomorrow you're going to be doing this. What? I can't. I, that's too much. So he gives us time to think and process. There's a grace zone that we get time to work with him. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful. Well, I'm excited to share this with others. This <laughs> has been a delight to have you both. To Well, thank you for having us on. Yeah, it's been an honor. It's been um, uplifting and uh, joyful to be able to go back and share all of this because there's stories we haven't told in a while. Yeah, and good. I believe it will encourage others, but I know it's encouraged me just to remember, to look back. We're told to, you know, to remember our past. Mm. And that is, you know, that's our testimony. That is... Um, what makes him real. And when we tell others, that's an important thing because we're telling ourselves over and over again our history. And I think that's one of the reasons why every, that we are commanded that we are to read the Torah at Sukkot so that future generations know how to walk in his Mm -hmm. ways. Um, but it's also to remind us who have been walking why we walk and what we do and how we do it um, to encourage our hearts and our souls because, yes, as a people group, we've walked through the wilderness, but as individuals, there are still those times when we walk through the wilderness and we have to remember that we are in the wilderness to test us to try us, to see if we will walk in his commandments um, because we love him. You know, this is one of the reasons for Shabbat date. It's because by, like we had mentioned before, we always have a little sit down, you know, just to, just to chat a little bit before we hit the play button here. Um, it was the connecting piece. And so a testimony is what reaffirms his faithfulness to us. And by speaking it out and saying it over and over and sharing that, not only does it encourage us, as you're saying, it it just is, it's the touching point to the next person who hears it. And again, that's just to glorify his name each time. And thus, this is the mission of these podcasts, right? Amen. Exactly. Yeah, and I, and I look back at our beginnings of celebrating the festivals, and I remember my first Sukkot. My friend Terry and I were like, all right, we're celebrating it. Well, there's not 
much in Torah about how to celebrate it. That's right. And mm -hmm. so we're at her house in her backyard, sitting at a picnic table under a tree. We look up and say, okay, we're here. Now what? Step by step. And step by step. And now we're, I mean, we have celebrated Sukkot camping, um, huge menorahs surrounding our camp. Um, this year we're here in Oklahoma with, I think they said there were over 700 people here. That in and of itself is a testimony that the Holy Spirit is moving and the festivals of our creator are finding importance in the hearts and souls of his people. Amen. He's waking us up. Yes. I have a question to rewind back to when you did your uh, intro. You have uh, a brother and a sister. I do. What's the order of your family? I'm the oldest. My brother and sister are twins. They're 15 months younger than me. So I don't know how much of this we'll put on the tape, but uh, Shannon's the oldest. I'm the oldest. It seems, if you read scripture, you know that God claims the firstborn. Absolutely. They're his. So I'm curious how many firstborns are here. I'm firstborn. See, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a theme there, too. Mm -hmm. So he's, it looks like he's calling his firstborns to help lead the second, thirds, however big our family is. Yeah. Now, whether they listen and choose to listen is a whole other story. Well, our families have so many uh, similarities. Okay. I had, I had two brothers, but all of her names began with R. She has a bro a brother and sister. Both their names begin with R. You know, both of our na our dad's names were James. Whoa. So, you know, we had a lot of, her mom was, family was all from Oklahoma. And so I, I grew up in Oklahoma as a kid. A lot of the things that they did were the same as, as wow. the way my mo mom and dad did things. And so we had a lot in common. You know, we're meeting in California, but it's like, Okay, this is weird. Really? <laughs> Great so. story. It's been a pleasure to first meet you, second, to hear your story, third, to just share this moment on the uh, podcast. So, Thank you, Rodney. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. Well, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Nice to meet you, and thank you for your time. It was nice meeting you, and um, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will go out through the airwaves and bless hundreds of thousands. Amen. In the Amen. name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you.